This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and thanks for downloading this podcast from ilikehugh.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at ilikehugh.com. Now, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Well, if you live in Canada, a very early happy birthday, Canada, and celebrating Canada Day tomorrow, July 1st, and it is going to look different. No fireworks. No big fireworks at the Forks or Assiniboine Park. Those have all been canceled, but a lot of people are doing their own celebrations. So we just want to say, be careful with your fireworks because they are explosives. So make sure that you have all of your permits and that everything is legal so everyone can enjoy Canada Day safe and sound. Well, speaking of celebrating your country's birthday, in all of this turmoil, there is still a lot of things we have to work on. So today we're gonna to have some very interesting conversations about all the racial tension and also about the mental health of our kids, the students. We all know that graduation totally was different. I saw my nephew's one minute video of him by himself, dressed in his cap and gown, walking up to the school outside, the principal handing over the envelope and uh, everybody six feet apart and just my nephew and the, and the principal so to all of the graduates you know what thank you for being the great people that you are we're so proud of you and uh, let's just hope that 2021 is even bigger and better for you but right now let's bring in all of our lovely ladies here for our hue virtual chat we have a lot to cover let's bring it in hi Kristen Welcome back. Hi, Charlotte. Oh, I love the uh, sunflowers behind you. Hey, hi, Susie. Hey. Hi. Oh, and welcome, Yuzuma. Hello. And Fiona. Give away, Fiona. Hi. Oh, okay. So let's unmute everybody and uh, let's get to it. First of all, I want to welcome our special guest today, Yuzuma Azaguara. Um, I have waited so long to meet you and you know I just find you so fascinating and for the things that you do and for the causes and especially now as the NDP critic for health seniors and active living and more importantly representing Union Station so um, I'm gonna give it to you Uzoma to kind of explain a little bit of what it's been like as a politician but more importantly for you as an activist and wanting to make uh, social social justice and equity and positive change for all families in Manitoba. Uzoma. Well, thank you for that very generous uh, introduction and welcome. I uh, I appreciate you, Tracy. I've uh, watched you over the years on your platforms, and I think it's really wonderful that you are, uh, like many people, adapting to the times and continuing to use your platform to have these really important conversations. So thank you for 
even wanting me to be involved with the, uh, the chat today. And thanks to Susie as well uh, for reaching out. And Susie's really active on uh, her platforms, especially during this pandemic. Uh, there's a couple of pandemics that we're dealing with right now. And uh, I think it's wonderful to see folks using their strong voices to talk about really important issues. So um, for myself, it's really important to me that, um, and it was really important to our team and the community and my family when the decision was made to run in the election. Because it wasn't, a, it wasn't a decision I made by myself. It was a decision that was made collectively, like I said, as a family and as a community. And um, it was really, really important to me and to us to bring perspectives and experiences to the forefront uh, in this opportunity um, that are typically intentionally excluded from the political realm. And so when I say that, I mean that um, when we look at especially, well, really anywhere in, in Canada, but when we look at the context of Manitoba and Winnipeg and who is typically running in elections at any level, who is typically successful in running in elections, it is not someone who looks like me, and is, it is not the communities that I am actively a part of. And so it was really important that um, I not minimize the significance of that and the realities of how difficult it is for Black, queer, gender non-conforming or non-cisgender you know, cisgender men to run in an election, be successful. And in that, there was absolutely no way that the issues that come along with experiencing all of these identities, there is no way that those experiences and voices were not going to be uh, centered in the work that we're doing. Politics is a, is a realm where Black, Indigenous, people of color, Two-Spirit, LGBTQ folks, uh, gender non-conforming people have not always been centered. And it's really important and it's part of my responsibility to, uh, to make that a focus in the work that I do in my capacity now. So Uzama, how have things changed now? I mean, okay, uh, we're, we're all in this pandemic, but I mean, we all know and we've discussed this too, that we're all at different stages and you know, we actively agreed that we're not really all in this together. So especially like taking your community, uh, community union station, how are things like at ground level when you mm. talk to the people? Things are challenging. Things are really challenging. Union Station is a constituency. It's brand new for the province of Manitoba. Every 10 years, they redraw the boundaries to make the population distribution uh, equitable. Try and keep the numbers around, I think, 22,000 constituents. And so Union Station captures the core of downtown Winnipeg. We have um, a significant number of newcomers in the constituency, high black and indigenous populations. Uh, socioeconomic disparities are uh, enormous here. And you can see that in the communities that um, comprise Union Station. So when we look at this pandemic and the pandemic, one that is COVID-19 and the pandemic that is systemic racism, uh, anti-indigenous racism, anti-black racism, and in you know, global protests around all of those issues. When we look at those things, we see the impacts of both of those experiences in our communities, they're amplified. You know, we see the way if policies are decided without centering the communities that are most impacted by them, 
We see the impact of those decisions in a different way. We see homelessness in an amplified way. We see food insecurity in an amplified way, lack of access to housing, um, lack of access to, to ways for families to navigate their kids being out of school and, and still having to access their education, uh, lack of access to you know, any sort of financial stability or security. So we just see things in an amplified way here. And as a result, we have to work uh, really creatively and collectively to try and push back against some of the things that disproportionately impact our communities. Ladies, do you have any uh, comments or questions, Susie? No, I mean, that all makes perfect sense to me and I don't have any surprises as far as what she said. That doesn't, none of that surprises me. And um, I think that we're looking at some, um, you know, a time when, we need to we need to open up not just politics but policy everything to people who are disadvantaged and marginalized and have them be a voice and advocating for what's best for their community as well and they can't do that without a seat at the table and that's challenging when uh you know finances can prevent somebody from running for office along with other issues that might be present and if we only have the same kind of representation we're never going to be able to change anything at a, at a systemic level and we need to you know we talk about this we need to just really kind of flip those tables and give people a voice who who need to be at that table and sometimes to create a better and bigger table right what do you think, or what needs to be, I'm gonna to get to you too soon, Fiona, cause it's all kind of spilling in, but if you had a wish list, what would be at the top of the list to get done? Oh, wow, that's a great question. A wish list? I think right now, at the top of my wish list would be some meaningful action taken to address systemic racism. Systemic racism is uh, an issue in all systems and it's an indisputable fact. It is backed by research and evidence. It is um, well, well investigated, and there are concrete, there are concrete uh, consequences as a result of systemic racism that we're seeing people now say, we, know, we don't accept it. We don't accept it and we're demanding change, which has happened you know, generation after generation but certainly the language is now, I think, much more accessible for people. And I do believe that addressing systemic racism and specifically anti-Black racism and anti-Indigenous racism is a way for us to create systemic change that has long lasting positive impacts. If we can eradicate you know, some of those things, it benefits absolutely everybody. And there are intersectionalities and things that are intertwined in all of that that we can get into much deeper conversation about. But I do think, you know, at the top of my list, and I think it's at the top of many people's lists right now, is addressing those issues. Well, um, and Susie and Fiona, you can chime in. I want to first in introduce and welcome Fiona. Um, you know what, Fiona, my question, I guess, could this Uzoma's wish list, number one, systemic racism, um, can it start the conversation with children in huh? schools and begin, you know, a wholeness and a wellness? Because it's really hard, and, and all of you ladies can attest to, when you're talking to adults that already have their own beliefs and are already set in their ways, and I hate to say that, but 
children, on the other hand, are so much more open and more honest and more free. Um, that was just kind of my point and got kind of a good segue to you because Fiona is a healthy mind specialist in the Winnipeg School Division. And I know when we had the conversation, Fiona, I was like interested in what is the mental health state of the students, you know, really? Um, mm -hmm. I know because I have uh, nieces and nephews and, and they've been fine, but there are so many children that aren't fine and a lot are coming from, you know, the inner city and the big bubble that the Winnipeg School Division covers. So Fiona, if you want to comment on everything that you do. Okay. <laughs> I don't know where to start, but all right. Thank you so much for having me. And it's great. I, I recognize a few folks, but I don't know everyone. So hi, guys. Um, it's nice to see everyone and to be included. Um, my role in the Winnipeg School Division is pretty unique in the province um, in terms of really having a concentrated effort. I mean, every school division is focusing on mental health and wellness, but I think um, ours is unique in that we have a like we have an actual initiative and I am there to help roll out that initiative. So that's to support uh, mental health and wellness for students, staff, and communities. So when we first started, it was students, and then very quickly they realized, okay, you can't talk about mental health only for students. We have to look at like everyone's mental health and wellness. Um, so we rolled out that initiative. Um, it's work that everybody's been doing for a really long time, and I'm so honored that that is my job. I am a social worker by background, so I, you know, probably I'm not their, their chosen person because things like advocacy, about making meaningful change, about reducing barriers, like I am not your girl to just sit there and do status quo. So I tend to rock the boat and not make a lot of friends, but it's in the best interest of children and families and communities. So I could rest my head at night, every night on my pillow feeling okay that, you know, I don't have any friends, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> you know, it's about doing meaningful work, right? Um, I always used to joke, everybody, you know, has a little slogan under their name, like, have a great day or whatever. Mine's, I'm not here to make friends. But anyways, enough about that. Um, when we're, yeah, you're laughing because it's funny, right? But, but we all know when you do hard work and you're advocating, it's such a struggle. So Uzoma, as you were talking, I recognized, you know, all of those barriers that certainly, you know, Winnipeg School Division, we're the biggest division in the province, fifth largest employer in the province. And we touch on almost every area of our city, not to mention a lot of our folks are coming from up north, rural areas. So we really have a, a, a far reaching impact. Um, so I'm recognizing all your things that you're talking about, like, you know, everyone wants to talk about COVID and COVID is absolutely, you know, something we've never experienced before, but there were major issues that were present before and they are there now and they're going to be there once this is over. And in many cases, they're exacerbated, like you're talking about food insecurities, homelessness. I mean, the homelessness issue is tough. I mean, you like it's it's difficult, right? This is a difficult scenario you're finding yourselves in. You can't separate those things, you know, thinking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you can't separate uh, food, uh, security, employment, you know, all of these pieces from mental health, like it's all part of it. If we don't have that, we can't even get to those other places, right? So trying to establish having all those basic needs met. So a lot of my job is advocating for change you know, it doesn't say that in the job description, but that's what it's really about, about, you know, recognizing barriers, gaps, and then trying to address those on all those levels, students, staff, community. I'm recognizing that I work within the education institution, but 
also recognizing that every single report that looks like at mental health and wellness recognizes not one system can do this alone. It's about this type of a day, right? It's about all systems coming together to work together. No one owns this work. We have to work together. Not one system is going to fix this. This is about us working together to collaborate and to support uh, families and communities. Um, so a lot of what I do is recognizing that, uh, doing you know a lot of research, looking at um, you know, what are gaps? What are things that we could be providing to our students, staff, and communities? Um, and I'm also a trainer. So then I develop the training and use other training that's existing. And then I train our staff. So I do, my, my position is kind of split. And most recently, I was also the social work clinician for the last several years at a school. That was just a little too much for one job description. So I'm no longer, yeah, you're kind of Charlotte, you know, because I've been a little overwhelmed with that. But um, I'm no longer uh, doing that role now. I'm just the healthy mind specialist, which is awesome. And, uh, but I do miss my having my, you know, feet in the community. Um, you mentioned, you know, what is the impact on students and youth and, and everyone really? Well, I mean, it's, I think, it's, it's hard to know. I mean, there is so much resilience in our children and youth. So a lot of folks are doing really well. I think this is something we're going to see kind of up and down, you know, like one day things are great, then things could be really tough. I think issues that were already brewing, you know, before as we're thinking about mental health stuff in many ways could be exacerbated, right? Because now we're really disconnected. Um, I have to give a big kudos to agencies, you know, such as yours, um, Robin Priest, like just taking everything immediately online, getting those supports out to communities, you know, Rainbow Resource Center, you know, all our groups are still running, they're just virtual. So folks really aren't alone, it's figuring out a different way. And then of course, addressing barriers to access. So yeah, it's great that they have this group, but if you don't have technology, how are we gonna do it? So how, right? You have amazing organizations like Inspire giving hundreds of families computers, you know, school divisions, like, so everyone is trying to reduce the barrier. So I think that's a hard question. You know, where are folks really at? I think it is a mix. I think there's some folks that are doing well, one of my sons told me he's living his best life. He's an introvert. He's like, I am living my best life. The other one, I think, is struggling, you know, because uh, where's all my buddies? Where's all my sports? I identify as an athlete. I have not played a sport because I don't have, you know, I'm getting tired of playing with my brother. So he's in a different place. Um, and then you see the impact of that as time goes on. Um, I think we have to plan to be prepared that we're going to have some struggles that we didn't really recognize. You know, we had a lot of kids who were school avoiders before. This has really helped those kids because now I don't have to go. But for a lot of them, they may have found like, wow, this actually works for me because I can do my work online. It's not, I don't, not that I don't want to go, but all of these issues are in the way, right? Yeah. I think we've learned a lot of things from this too, how we can do some things differently. But um, I absolutely think that there's a ton of resilience. I think a lot of folks are doing the very best they can and are doing well. I think it's a continuum and then we're gonna see ups and downs. And I absolutely know that there are some folks that are really, really struggling right now. And a big part of my job, you know, as a social work clinician has been trying to reduce barriers to access, making sure folks know that all of these places that were there before are still there. There's been lots of expansion to youth mental health services. But again, if people don't know how to get that, that's a barrier, right? Or have the access to technology. I also know a lot of uh, places have opened up their doors now, which has been refreshing. So folks can go. Um, so yeah, it's a hard one. And we're going to see, and I anticipate, you know, as this whole pandemic changes, we're going to see that changing, right? We're going right. to see that change. But without question, it's had a tremendous impact, right? And where that's actually going to be, I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball, I, you know? <laughs> 
or a wand. Everyone thinks I do. Why not, Fiona? Come on. Oh, everyone. I'm like, I'm I exhausted. I don't know, but you, uh, ladies, I'm exhausted just like listening to all the things that she does. Like, oh, how no, 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 no. I mean, <laughs> you should be working on Uzoma's uh, wish list. I think she can get it done for you, Uzoma. I, I would love that. <laughs> this is simply called unmedicated ADHD. So I'm just going to put that out there right now. And uh, yeah. Or maybe just being cooped up and only talking to your family all the time. That doesn't help, yeah. Uh, no. Uh, so uh, inviting Kristen and Charlotte, because I, I realize now how small Winnipeg is. You know, every time we bring, I think it's a new guest, and you bring up, oh, hi. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but then, too, it's like uh, the work that both of you do, it's been in the spotlight. It's so important, and, you know, like for uh, you know, even the things that Uzoma was talking about, yeah, being, knowing that you are here to help and knowing that an organization like RobinPriest.com is exponential for that mental health and wellness. So I don't know, uh, uh, explain how you know Fiona, Charlotte. <laughs> curious minds want to know. All of us in mental health seem to find each other when we're passionate about mental health, especially when it involves family and uh, so Fiona and I gosh met many years ago at uh, mood disorders mm -hmm. and uh, back then we were trying to figure out how to make uh, it work for more families and and uh, children you know supporting the mental health and uh, I guess we saw each other last at that um, family night for um, the transgender community which Kirsten and I enjoyed that evening so much and and uh, we still talk about the uh, the two moms who have the family support group and uh, mm -hmm. when they were speaking, because that's where Kristen and I go all the time and supporting the parents and mm -hmm. the families. Um, but uh, yeah, we're just, uh, we're super excited. Kristen and I were just on another Zoom call before this, um, talking about we're on to week three of peer support workers, both in the CRC and DOF and Emerge and how that's going and the positive responses that we're getting, having having them. Um, the latest is uh, because family peer support workers can't go into eMERGE at the CRC, um, they're wanting them to go on mobile crisis calls. And they're also up working on the ward as well, so supporting family and individuals. So it's just been such a huge positive. Um, all the comments we're getting from people who are accessing it has been right on. So and, and Fiona, you and I and Chris need to get together because we got lots to catch up on. But um, uh, then the family workshops are starting soon, which we're just finishing um, getting the edits and, and that'll go out to all the schools that we have for more resources for families and parents to access. And it's for free, um, thanks to our government and their, uh, their supporting peer support and mental health. So, Chris, you want to add? No, I think you, I think you covered everything. But uh, I'm, I'm not only am I really excited about uh, how things have rolled out in the CRC with our peer support, uh, but I'm also really excited about the workshops that will be available. And uh, so families, uh, Fiona, that are struggling, although these workshops are, are really written for 18 and up, uh, there's still a lot to, to take away from it for with the younger families. So we'll share more about that as we move along, but um, it's going to be a great resource that's going to be accessible to all families uh, in Manitoba. And I also just have to say, uh, Azuma, I heard you speak, and I was so impressed 
um, at the Rady Centre when there was a, a debate on mental health and some uh, community organizations were there, I, I, if you recall. And uh, it was the first time that I had uh, been introduced or, or, or seen your name and um, you stand out. And I understand that you have a background in um, psych nursing. That's right. And I was just so impressed because it was a, a mental, it was a, the, for, um, the platform was to discuss mental health in the province and you had your finger on the pulse of it. And I was like, yes, every time you answered a question. So I just wanted to add that. I appreciate that. Thank you. Susie, anything to add? No, I mean, <laughs> I totally agree. And um, I feel like everybody is, you know, uh, I don't want to say tired, but there's, there's, a, there's a propensity to kind of uh, lose momentum, you know, and I feel like we can't do that this time. Like we need to keep going. We need to keep pushing forward. And um, that's the only way that we're gonna make sustainable change. And we can't get tired and we can't get lazy. And we owe it to not just our children because they're not gonna wait for us, I can tell you that right now. But they, we all need to work together to, to improve what desperately needed to be improved like years ago. And I can't believe that we're just getting to this now. So. There's so much work to do, but we can't get bogged down by thinking and overwhelmed and by all the things that there is to do. Every single day, there are steps that you can make. And it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, big public pronouncements. It's about calling up people at your family picnic who say things that are not appropriate anymore and that really need to evolve their thinking. And it's about those challenges that you make actual change to a bigger result. And, you know, not everybody needs to, um, needs to be doing these grandiose things, but those little steps that you make in your personal life and in your relationships, those are all huge things that can have tremendous impact. Wow. Uh, Usama, I guess. Do you consider yourself a role model for young people, people in general? Um, I think that, you know what, I think yes. And I say that because I recognize, I, I mean, I've been an athlete most of my life. I was uh, an athlete at every level in this province. I was on the Canadian national basketball team and I had role models. There were people in sport and outside of sport that I looked to for guidance and who I looked up to as role models, whether they knew it or not. Just by virtue of the roles that they held, I looked to them as a young black person and aspired to them or whatever it was that they were doing. And so I think that when you're in positions where you have a platform, where you are visible, um, whether you like it or not, whether you want to identify it or not, you are a role model. And so and that's something that, you know, as an athlete was kind of conditioned into us. You know, we were always reminded that the jersey that you wear, the, the institution that you represent, whether it's the University of Winnipeg or Team Canada, you're representing that institution. You're representing your family. You're representing your communities. And so I definitely, I, I, I see myself as a role model. I recognize that there are young people and there are people in general who have never seen um, a queer black politician in this province ever because 
this past election was the first time we were ever elected. And so I meet young people now and I meet folks in community who tell me that because I'm in this position, because there are black people um, in these roles, they look to us uh, and they look to what we're doing and it inspires them to pursue these avenues now. So um, I think that, you know, anybody who has a platform, anybody who is visible, anybody who is doing work that, um, you know, people recognize as being impactful, you are a role model and it's important to recognize what that comes with. Wow. Fiona, role models too for young people. It's very important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I guess everything now with social media, mm-hmm. there's a lot of good role models and a lot of bad ones. Yeah. Social media is a blessing and a curse. That's how I see it, right? Like it is such a fine line there. I mean, what could be great turns into a really slippery slope. Um, you know, I know there's been a lot of talk online. I mean, it's never before of our kids had this much unsupervised access for so long. And there's so many things that people don't know about our province. And I mean, ugly things that happen, people don't want to talk about, but we have to, you know, I'm always the annoying one in the room saying, you know, in Winnipeg, we're the hub of sexual exploitation. We have to talk about that. We have to make sure that, you know, parents are monitoring. A lot of parents don't know that they could take that phone away or can look in it. Like, you know, I tell my kids, I pay the bill. I'm going in there whenever I want. You don't give me your code. You don't get your phone. I know you don't like it. I know you're 16. I also know that stuff happens, right? Especially at night when I'm asleep, right? So yeah, it is. I mean, it's one of the tools, like as a social work clinician that I would see, you know, folks coming in in the morning, a mom, you know, coming in panic, like so-and-so was, you know, thinking about killing themselves last night or was cutting or, you know, and so we have that aspect of, you know, parents are getting to see what's happening. But on the other side, what we're not seeing is kids like having groupings and saying, hey, let's all get together on social media and cut tonight. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just so, so difficult. And I mean, I even tested out myself, like the impact on your self-esteem. I looked at one of my good friends' Facebook and in about one minute, I felt like crap because I'm like, how do they all have matching pajamas? How is everybody, you know, so behaved? Like, how is, you know, like this is for everyone. So being a 13 year old kid, like I can't even imagine if me at 45 can look at that and my self-esteem goes down in one minute, you know? Um, It is a hard, tough scenario we're in. Again, we require the social media and the computer for the online learning. Um, you know, I was always that 1970s mom, like get outside, get off that stuff. Like I realize it's here, but we have to find some balance. I do worry we're losing connection. I mean, we're connecting, but I'm worried that those, you know, prudent interpersonal connection skills of like disagreeing and stuff like that when you're in person, like young people are struggling with that. They don't really know how to do, I I have a kid who doesn't know how to use the phone and that's honest. Like it, like some real skills are gone. Oh, so um, I have, I guess, a kind of a hard question. and I want all of you to kind of comment, opinions. Um, I personally, I'm just feeling a lot more hatred and hatred against other cultures, um, hatred against the predicament that we're all in and, and hatred to perhaps the person that you are, have been isolated with. Not, this isn't me, this isn't happening to me personally, but from things that I have experienced and the stories that I've heard, ah, it's, a big, it's a big thing to, to kind of tackle. Um, 
that's a reason why I enjoy these conversations because I think we can be really open and that's the reason why I wanted to do this and hopefully continue to do this because I think all of the things that we do talk about and yes and I, I feel so sorry because Susie expounds the same thing all the time and it's so true but how do we grow this outside of this box that we're in right now but I, I'm really really appalled at the extent of hate and you know unfortunately we see it on the news but uh, last night was um, not good it, it was it really moved me and it's just like not we're not just in our community it's everywhere so where do we start <laughs> you know maybe miss pollyanna and <laughs> kirsten <laughs> do you have some kind of magic seeds we can throw up in the air and everything uh, will be planted down beautiful and everybody will love everybody and accept everybody yeah. and you know I, i'm i'm just shocked by um yeah by um, the ugliness and, and the level of hatred that um, unveils itself from time to time uh, through conversations, on the news, just little things you pick up on. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I wish I had a magic answer to, uh, have, uh, to suggest the antidote for that, but um, I think that was always there prior uh, to what's been happening with this pandemic and, um, I think there's a lot of people who um, uh, sadly are struggling and, and it comes out as hatred. Um, and I always call myself Miss Pollyanna because I sound very uh, annoying when I put a positive spin on things. But um, the reality is um, in, in our world, in my family, uh, for a number of years, we, we went through uh, some really tough times and adversity with the mental health of one of my children. And so we're in a place where uh, we are all well and uh, my daughter's living her best life so it would take a lot to knock me down right now and and sadly um you know i'm so grateful with how things are going uh, for my own little family and covid there it as horrible as it is uh there are these little uh windows of positives that uh, do exist it's just fact and like the introvert of your child, Fiona, um, you know, my daughter's the same way. And my daughter um, has done extremely well during COVID because she could um, accept invitations and connect with people, knowing that she wasn't uh, having thrown into a big party, which mm -hmm. uh, made her uncomfortable, or too many people, too many overstimulate, that sort of thing. So it was on her terms, mm -hmm. uh, very small groups. Uh, eased into it and it has been it's actually helped her flourish mm -hmm. um, but also those positives that are, are going to happen through uh, knowing that there's a different way of doing things like for parents uh, some kids really really struggle um, going through the doors of the school uh, some schools are absolutely enormous I call them uh, machines that just just can turn and turn and, and chew you up um, and the idea of doing school on home at home online or uh, during a modular program, alternative program, never comes to the conversation with the parents or they think that's ridiculous. Everyone goes to school. So hopefully this has shone some light at a different way of families doing things as well. Um, and, and that can continue. And some of those gifts. I'm, I'm getting off topic from your hatred question, uh, Tracy. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's my natural, yeah. 
but it, it, it does break my heart, and yeah, it, and I, I'm looking for the positive. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, Celia asked what's happening for and Charlotte too. Uh, it was uh, it wasn't here. It was I think I believe in Vancouver. Um, it was a, a bus driver, and he had picked up somebody on the bus, and then they left. I guess, and another person came on, and uh, this other person left a noose or later the reporter said it was a luggage strap, but it was laid out like a noose. And the other person that said, oh, well that means you should go hang yourself or something of that matter. Well, the poor bus driver, oh, I, I don't know. I, he finished his, his route, but you know, I think, I don't know how or if he's gonna go back to work, but just, I, I don't know. It, uh, yeah, to, to, to touch on that topic, um, you know, it's um, it's a lot to participate in the news cycle right now, I think. And um, I know every time I hear a story like that, you know, a little piece of me dies inside. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, uh, it is so shocking and so appalling to see people so emboldened to put that kind of hate on display and in public places. Um, you know, we, we saw yesterday, um, also in the news cycle, the couple who came out of their home with semi-automatic weapons pointed at protesters. And it is just the level of, of I don't even know what the word is, like the level of disconnect between you know, how people should be behaving versus what they're actually doing is just a chasm right now, right? And um, it's hard to digest that information and, and still think like, okay, how do I, number one, how do I live in a world where that can actually happen? And number two, how can I even tackle that kind of change? How can I possibly make a difference in that kind of change? So I totally hear what you're saying, Tracy. It is completely... <sighs> emotionally draining, psychologically draining, all of those things, and scary as well, right? And, you know, you add, you add being a parent onto that, and you think, oh my god, like, I have to send my children out into this world, and what does that mean, right? It adds a whole new level of fear. So, I don't know that there's necessarily an answer, you know, that we can find right now in here, but I think that, you know, like we said, <sighs> we need to be there for each other, and to support each other through these difficult times. And difficult times might be for a long time, actually. But we also have to remember that this is the dying, gasping breath of an ideology that has no place in today. Mm -hmm. And they are grasping at straws. So I, don't know if I, I don't know if I agree with that. And just in terms of the dying, the dying, gasping breath, I. And I'm sorry to jump in, Susie. I just no, it's okay. I uh, I really worry about that because these actions I have dealt with overt acts of racism and racism on display my entire life, my whole life. My mother has gotten hate mail at her work. Um, I've worked for the city, and I've and I've pulled up behind a building, a white community center, the whole back wall sprayed, it spray painted in black death to n-word and swastikas i grew up in a community where we would see swastikas spray painted on fences 
so for me, what, what people are, what we're all being inundated with, and these really grotesque, grotesque acts of racism and violence, this mm-hmm. is for me, and I think for a lot of folks, what we've been articulating and expressing is going on for a very long time. And it is now visible in a way that is, that is undeniable and indisputable for people mm-hmm. never experienced it, who have never had to, uh, who have never experienced going to- Or even been exposed. Mm-hmm. And being called the N-word when you're just trying to have a happy hour snack with your friend, mm-hmm. right? So these are things that I, I, I don't think it's the dying gasping breath. I think it's, I think what you said earlier is more accurate, that people are emboldened, that people mm-hmm. have tools now and technology that equip them with the resources to feel emboldened and empowered to go out and do these things. The networks of communities, find each other. like-minded people, right? And it, in terms of how do we address this, indigenous people, Black people have been have written books, have given lectures, have blogs, have created artwork, have been protesting, have outlined the ways in which we can dismantle and push back against these issues for a very long time. I think what what we need is for everyone to start doing the very heavy lifting of this work and and recognizing it as an issue that will only go away when if it is in fact for it, you know the an indication that some folks are doing their best to try and not ever have this go away right if that is in fact part of what's going on then it's up to everyone who understands that this needs to end to collectively contribute to that happening and i would agree like i look at this like i guess i take all this hate and ugliness and it just fires me up like it just gets me revved because i'm like it's out there it's so obvious and it's always been there, but now it's so obvious. It's actually in some ways easier. It's like, it's right out there on a plate, right? It's, we could address this head on and it gets us all talking about it, right? Because I think what happens a lot of times is we all know it's there, but people don't, aren't really addressing difficult things because it's hard, right? So even getting together here, making networks, you know, we're talking about it. We're all going to go off into our own world and hopefully, you know, look at what's happening in our own environments and be leaders in helping to make those critical changes. So in some ways, it's so out there, it makes it easier. It's like, you don't have to look for it. It's finding you, it's everywhere. You open your phone, you check the news, you know? So I find this a time that we can really take action, right? This is about taking action. You know, the time for just, you know, this talking is important, but what are we gonna do with it? You know, like, and I'm always thinking about, okay, what next? Cause I'm done with talking. Like, what are we doing? How are we addressing this? What's our plan, right? And that's the important thing. I don't mean here, I mean, as we go out, right? But saying the hard things, saying the things that make people uncomfortable because we have to move out of that comfort zone because this is all sitting there, right? So this is yeah. all part of that, those critical connections. You know, this elephant's been in the room for a long time. So, you know, like I was just in a meeting yesterday and like there was such a huge issue going on and no one would say it. And then I finally said it and they all looked at me like I had the issue. And I'm like, what? Like this is, you know, come on. Like, but it's so critical that we call it out. You know, the personal is political, like all of these places and how do we work together? Like I see these opportunities and, you know, the people who know me, uh, Kirsten and Charlotte are like, oh no, she's going to start bugging you too, because 
I see us all as having a role together and I get excited about this. So the next time I have something going on, like I want to pull one of you folks in there because it's together. It's, you know, like when we did our trans panel for children, youth and families, like it was so beautiful to get all folks together, organizations, families, like it was, so we work really hard at our division to take, uh, you know, to reduce barriers and to take big issues and put all the resources there that we can, you know? So it's not just about talking about it, but what are we going to do about it? The time for just idle chat, that's great. And that's important, but what is our plan? That's my big thing. Okay. What are we going to do about it? Right. Let's go. <laughs> I agree. Okay. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, Uzoma, you, you talked about other people out there that are doing the work, but I guess their voices aren't being heard. It, if there was a platform for these people that are doing such good work into combating or battling whatever we want to call it, mm -hmm. this hatred, and to maybe raise us up together, would that help? Like, we're, like yeah. Fiona, well, we, we, are, we are part of that platform, right? Like, we, we have to amplify those voices, and that's kind of our job moving forward, is that, you know, like Uzoma like said, you know, black people, indigenous people, and other people marginalized have done the work, have done the heavy lifting, and now it's up to us to amplify those voices. So I think in that sense that, you know, we need to use our voices, since we're loud people, we can certainly <laughs> share that content and get people to wise up, you know, and there's, there's, uh, we are not good with being uncomfortable as a species, right? Mm -hmm. We like to be, we like to be comfortable with what we know, with what we can recognize and go, okay, this is safe. I've seen this before. And right now, all of us are going through a phase where we're looking at things and going, oh, this is unfamiliar. I don't like this. I need to get back to, you know, that, that status quo and that comfort level. And I don't think we can ever, we can't let that go right now. We need to sit in that uncomfortability and listen to all the things that we were able to push away before and face that truth that's staring us right in the face, like Fiona said. It's out there now. And instead of, you know, politely changing the subject or moving on to other things, we cannot do that now. We need to face this head on. And whoever has that plan and whatever plan that is, that's where we jump on and say, okay, I'm on board. I need to do what you asked me to do as far as this activism goes. That's how I, I like see it anyway. Yeah, I love the way you say that, Susie. It's like you should feel uncomfortable because it's icky and it's gross and shame on everybody who lets that flourish, right? Mm -hmm. So this is an opportunity for us to just be like, you know, no. And it should feel uncomfortable. It's icky. How do you think they feel? How do you think people are feeling right now? It's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's you know, I wanted to add something that uh, I find super valuable uh, in um, my everyday life and my work life. And Robin, you're going to, or sorry, Charlotte, you're going to be able to, um, you're going to, agree with this. Uh, through uh, Robin Priest, who um, is Charlotte's business partner, um, when we're doing trainings and we're having hard conversations about really checking in with your biases and, and um, um, understanding uh, global diversity and, and really having a look at, at uh, our thoughts on that. So at the end of our training, which is very in-depth, you, uh, you can actually support the peer support skills that, um, that are, are so valued in the work we do. But um, respectful challenge. 
So at the beginning of our training, she often will put out, you know, I'm, I'm going to throw out a respectful challenge from time to time. And that's all that it is. It's a, it's a way of saying, hey, I just want you to back up and think about that. Or have you thought about this? And I have used that. I don't know about you, Charlotte. I can't tell you how many times in a conversation. So it uh, creates uh, kind of a pivot move and you think about it differently and creates a different conversation by just saying, hey, you know what? Can I just throw out a respectful challenge? And, you know, I'm a little uncomfortable with what was just said. And have you ever thought about it's It's actually a beautiful segue and it makes, makes things easy. I wanted to add that. No, that's And I may want to add too, when I'm going on about hate, I mean, hate goes the opposite way too as well. So um, I think everybody is, you know, kind of all in this game. I would just maybe like to propose them. I would love to have an invite women who are doing the work have done the heavy lifting and also i would like to have people like robin and and other resources and have that kind of connectedness to know that they're lifting really heavy things but there's support there to help them and with people like susie and fiona and myself we can add to be sounding boards and you know kind of re-examine our own feelings and then how we can help, because you're right, we can have these wonderful, incredible chats, but it kind of just falls right here until we meet people like yourselves that have come in this conversation. So Uzoma, maybe we can have that conversation, some names of women, men that would be willing to come and share their stories. I know I'm, I'm taking a phrase from Charlotte and, and uh, Kristen, have lived experiences um, because knowledge is the best thing for all of us. And of course, I faced racism too. And I'm sure Susie has and all of us in different parts of our lives. But um, yeah, if there's anything out of these virtual chats that besides the relationships, let's do this, ladies. And I encourage everybody that's on Facebook Live and then we'll see this again on our website to just join us. In a, in a conversation. Um, so please, you know, any other people that you think that might want to join in and uh, let's start something. Maybe it's something that Fiona can present in the schools with the students, because I really think it's the young people that are open right now. And Susie has done this and, and said, is it the Z generation or though <laughs> they're the ones that are going to you know lead the country they're the ones that you know are taking part in the protests and are asking like why is this not been put to bed like why is this still an issue you know um, they can lead the way like their youth voice is strong and you know I think when we're trying to run programs that's something that we're trying to do a lot of is including that voice at the table youth voice if we're going to talk about you let's include you mm -hmm. and oftentimes they're leading us right through that conversation because they know what needs to change right yeah. how, how to get there justice for black lives and who's leading that mm -hmm. movement in Winnipeg yeah. Yes, you know, it's it's predominantly young people, very yeah. very teenagers. There's a couple of teenagers. In, and in that goes sort of back to what I was saying before about you know that dying last breath, and that's kind of what I meant is that that older generation, not that it doesn't exist in younger generations, but that older generation, 
they're this these teenagers are gonna outlive those dinosaurs and i'm i'm glad to see those dinosaurs go bye-bye like goodbye fossils like you know we don't need that ridiculous racist polite on the outside garbage anymore like just there's no place for that so that's kind of what i mean and these teenagers these young people especially the TikTok people which we've talked about before they give me such hope because they really give zero f's and i mean one of the ladies i was watching yesterday is kellyanne conway's daughter on TikTok? oh my gosh she's incredible she's she lives in a house i don't even know what their dinner table must be like but wow is she something else and telling teenagers like you don't have to think like your parents we can have our own opinions and we can take charge of this and we can do stuff and it's just like yes yes that's exactly what you can do and the young people and i don't mean just young as an age but i mean young at heart and young being open-minded being you know inclusive being a light for life and all of those things that need to move forward that's the future not not what we're seeing right now we need to we need to put hate to death is what i'm saying you know like we need to just get that out of the way there's so much more that we could accomplish if that was out of the way so much more and we have to support them i mean i think that a lot of the youth have these really bold ideas and deep understandings of the kind of change that needs to happen sooner than later and some of it can feel and i'm not a youth anymore I, I think I am, but then I look in the mirror <laughs> and people tell me I'm not. So I'm not youth anymore, apparently, some folks, and that's fine. But it, it also means that sometimes the ideas can seem like really big and, some, and to some folks too bold. And we have to be able to support them. We have to be able to support their voices 100%. And, their, and those ideas and get behind them and lift them up, even if it's uncomfortable for us, even if we're like, maybe that's too big too soon. We have to be able to equip, equip and empower the folks who are so young and have the energy and have these fantastic ideas. Yeah that for us may seem way out there, but actually they're the visionaries that we need to really get behind. I totally agree. And I think that too, you know, when, when you've grown up with systemic systems that are inherently not built for women or any marginalized people, they look at those systems and they just go, I don't want that system. We can rebuild or we can build something completely new that takes everybody into account. And you sit there and you just go, well, I don't know if that's going to work. And they, and they just say to you, well, why not? We can just do that. And mm -hmm. adults, you know, I guess older people just go, well, I don't know how we're going to do that. And they're just like, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. And it's just like, yes, okay, I, I can give that over to you. And you can definitely build that and build it better than what we inherited from whatever generation we came from. And yeah. to sit in that uncomfortability. And, you know, one of the scariest phrases we all know is, well, that's, all, that's the way it's always been done. That phrase also needs to die. The way it's always been done is not working for anybody anymore, least of all women like us and marginalized people. It's bullshit. We need to tear everything down and start again. And I truly believe that this generation has the tools and the wherewithal to get that done. And I'm going to stand beside them, walk behind them, do whatever I can to support that. Completely agree. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and boom goes the mic. <laughs> oh, well, um, what are our next steps? Fiona said that, what are our next steps? She's gonna go, she's on the go. She'll organize it. I invited, uh, let's do, let's do a, what we call a town Zoom. Mm -hmm. And yes, invite some 
Yeah. Some young people, definitely. Zoma, yes. Make me a list, get me contacts, and we'll set a date. And I might be at the lake, but hey, it's, it's virtual. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, thank you so much, Fiona, Zoma. You know, and it's always a pleasure, Kristen and Charlotte, and of course, Susie. Yes, Susie. <laughs> I know. Love you. Love Susie. <laughs> yes. No, I mean, I think, yeah, we just kind of scribble all, all our words and our thoughts, and we just give it to her, and it just sort of flows. But uh, no, it, it's been a great conversation, as always. But I Thank you so much, Zoma, for being with us today. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Zoma. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, and uh, for sharing. But let's do this. I, I'm, I'm anxious and want to hear and, and be invigorated and be inspired and not feel down and with a heavy heart with what's going on. So let's, let's start it here and maybe some ears will open and listen. You know, if I can make one more um, additional comment. Um, so when I was talking, I did a couple of media segments about the, uh, the TikTok teens who uh, trolled the rally in Tulsa a couple weeks ago. And my teens knew about it the week leading up to it because they had heard about it on TikTok. And uh, I asked them, I said, like, so what does this mean to you? Like, why was it important for you guys to, uh, first of all, even care that this was happening? And two, for the other teens to basically troll the campaign and buy up those or reserve those seats and not show up. And, you know, we've raised our kids on this notion of anti-bullying, right? So we've talked about anti-bullying in schools, and they get this message from when they're young, you know, about how we don't do that to people, we need to be kind to people, and even if you don't like somebody, you still need to respect them and this and that. And so the kids said to me, and they just, they said to me, because he's a bully. And there's no place for bullies. And because you can't beat a bully with, you know, your fists per se, or, you know, you don't want to resort to, you know, violence, whatever it is, laughing at them and taking the wind out of their sails and making them the butt of the joke is what these kids are doing. And it's incredible to me that these kids can see the power in that and use that voice and amplify that through whatever networks they're using, because their parents won't find out until the prank is over that they can use that voice and see bullying for what it is and take their own actions to end it. It's interesting to me because if we looked at it from that perspective, we might have a different response ourselves. So it's interesting to me that these kids can see that. Good point. Well, on that note then, let's all put our thinking caps on and uh, Come back next week. We'll be learning more about Kid Think. Have you heard of that? Anybody? Yes. Yeah. Fiona's not. Yes. So again, um, Carmen and Joanne Unger will be on. So we'll be learning more about the mental health issues of young, young ones, which is, again, very troubling to hear about. But mm -hmm. anyways, have a great week. Happy Canada Day. Are you doing your own fireworks? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, yeah, because all of the big work shows are canceled. Hiding from, loud, hiding from loud sounds. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Anyway, so have a great, happy Canada Day, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of ilikeyou.com, podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company.
do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, undercurrent podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.